In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Praying with her daily is an easy pursuit that you can do. I know that doesn't feel easy to every guy, but it, it really, like, it's not that hard. Start praying with your wife. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we, we salute you. you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, and as you could tell with the perfectly synchronized sound of Dale Culver, he's our show host and good friend. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Hey, buddy. I'm really excited about our guest today for a couple reasons. One is he's in Portland, Oregon, and he is crushing it with his ministry. He has over almost 11,000 guys in his online forum, and he wrote a book that's amazing we're going to talk about, and he has a podcast that reaches hundreds of thousands of men around the country weekly. Super excited about this guy, just an hour up the road. But before we do that, do you have a man word? I do. And if it's tired, I'm going to beat you. I'm pretty vanilla. It's tired. You pick tired. Why would you pick such an easy word? Go ahead. Go ahead. It's in the title, man. You're so vanilla. You're so basic. I am. I use tired because apparently you can use words that are in a negative form. So... Uh, I'm going to say tired is the man word because being a dad and being a man, you will be tired. So you got to self-regulate. You got to take care of yourself. You need to take vacations. Hey, like you hanging out with your wife when you're supposed to. That's good. I remember when my kids were little begging my wife, begging her, please, if you just let me take a nap, I'll paint the cabinets. (laughs) I mean, all I remember of those days when the boys were little was just being exhausted. Mm -hmm. And so this guy's got a cool ministry. Before we talk about his ministry, do you have a shout out? I do. Uh, I got a shout out from Stormblatt. Love it. Stormblatt. So, hey, if that's you, you hear this, uh, shoot me an email, Mr. Stormblatt. We'd like to send you some swag. Uh, guys, we just love it when you uh, send us these uh, these reviews. They help us out. And um, so if you could uh, go on there to iTunes and send us a positive review, that'd be great. Also, I'd like to encourage you guys, please go on and send us an email at info at uh, And uh, leave the uh out of that, but it's yeah, just info or the at and. meninarena.org. <laughs> And we'd love to hear uh, from you your when a man gets it story, victory stories, a victory yep. story. And we we like to publish these uh, in our 
our e-blast that we send out just to encourage guys. So if you got a victory story that uh, we've encouraged you in some way and God has helped you overcome stuff, uh, just shoot us a message on that, and we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, and we'll give you credit where you live and your name. So awesome. Hey, want to brag about our guest, our new friend, Jared Lopes. Jared is 32 years old. He lives in Portland, Oregon with his wife of 10 years, the beautiful Layla. <laughs> Jared is a pastor and founder of DadTired.com, nonprofit ministry dedicated to helping men lead their family well. He hosts the weekly Dad Tired podcast. As I shared earlier, it's listened to by hundreds of thousands of men from around the world. He and his wife, Layla, live in Portland with their three children. Jared speaks around the country, has been featured on Family Life, Moody Radio, the Hallmark Channel. Sweet. Okay, I, I'm not the only one. I'm just sitting here okay. thinking, when are we going to start singing the song? There's a song for Hallmark? Layla. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> we haven't sung a song anyway, in a while. Jared wasn't even born then. Okay, <laughs> he's the author of the best-selling book, Dad Tired and Loving It, Stumbling Your Way to Spiritual Leadership. Jared, man, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on, man. Man, so glad to be here. And I've got like 15 comments based on that introduction. That oh. Was a, I'm just so much. <laughs> well, hey, you know, we're all about uh, promoting our buddies and our partners. So we're a collaborating ministry. So we just hope that you can get tons of followers. You can have ours, man. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. Well, d- dude, I, uh, first of all, my wife walked down the aisle to Layla. Uh, so I do know that song. <laughs> she it, you know, she, she did the, uh, the Eric Clapton acoustic version. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah baby. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. That's anyway. hey. Well, hey. Before we get you on an interview about your book, why don't you tell us your story, personal life, things you enjoy, hobbies, anything that our audience needs to know about you? Yeah, man. Uh, well, I'm a I'm a young dad trying to figure this stuff out. Uh, I didn't have my dad bailed when I was three, so oh, I didn't have a, an example of really what that looked like. There's really there's I can't think of a single man in my entire family tree that I know of that uh, has set an example of what it looks like to be a godly husband and father. Most in fact, everyone that I can think of in my family is a woman because all the men bailed. Oh, um, so I was raised by a bunch of women. I have three older sisters. And so I'm just trying to figure this stuff out on my, my own. But uh, background stuff, I, you know, I live here in Portland. I'm born and raised in California. Like you said, been married 10 years. Just feel like I'm a rookie in marriage and trying to figure that out. Got three kids, eight, six, and one-year-old. And just uh, I'm tired, man. Uh, you can literally hear my daughter uh, cry. I think you probably in that introduction. I you did. Heard my daughter cry. Well, right, and right. I can tell you're tired because yeah. there's a bed behind you. <laughs> there's it. Yeah, dude, this is. I'm, I might fall asleep in the middle of this interview. And that's oh not man. Well, hey, you know whatever we can do to help you, man. I'm super excited to have you on the show and to learn that you're an hour away. Hey, hey, Jared, I got to tell you, uh, I really enjoyed your book because of what we do. I read about 50 books a year. And your vulnerability and willingness to share your personal and parenting failures, you know, talking about the second iPhone in the lake or the second phone in the river failure, the catch the pass and run the other way failure. I mean, your stories are self-deprecating, but they're hilarious. And and your willingness to be honest is, is quite frankly, with guys like us, it's refreshing. So thank you for that. Mm. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, I, I, that's not intentional. I just don't know any other way to do it. Like I'm just, uh, yeah. I, you know, I just kind of wear my stuff on my sleeve and we'll just see what happens and God seems to use it. And, uh, I always say, man, it's weird that like in the Christian world, we don't really talk about our stuff, like our junk more often because it's the only thing, it's the one thing that binds us together. Right. Like the, the whole point of being a Christian is that we're saved by grace and, uh, if we don't have that in common, we have nothing in common. So I, I just think we should be a culture of people who 
and just like, bro, I'm messed up, but look how amazing Jesus is. Oh, I agree 100. percent And and I've watched so many failures, moral failures in the last six months of pastors mm. and spiritual leaders. I mean, heinous things, yeah. heinous things. And mm. if these guys just would have shared, if they just yeah. would have shared, I I just wrote an article. Uh, it's going coming out this week in our e-blast, and it's just called "Hang in there, baby." And it's like, hang, you know, spit the sin out, spit it out, let it hang in the air and yeah. let your friends absorb it. Just spit it out. And if guys would do that and bring it out in the light, I think they'd be okay, man. But hey, I want to talk about your book. Hmm. Uh, I want to, what I want to do right now is I'm going to throw you into our rapid fire round. Okay. And what I've done, Jared, is I've taken two words, two word phrases out of your book, and I want to just ex- have you explain them. Okay. Okay. And so, and I want it's a rapid fire, so you got to you know rip it out here. You ready? All right. You ready? All right. Yeah. Let's do it. Dad tired. Dad tired, man. I always say that if you are doing it right, if you're if you're doing the things that God's called you to be, you should be exhausted. Now that being said, uh, us as men, our bodies will be super fatigued. We will hit the yeah. bed hard at night, being exhausted. But our souls should not grow weary if we're doing the things that God's called us to do. Yeah. Galatians six. Hey, so is Dad tired to play off a of dog tired? Dead tired. But dog dead tired, tired. Works too. Oh, because I always tired, thought it was dog, dog tired. tired. Okay, dead tired. Maybe there's a generational thing there, man. Yeah. No, no, seriously. That's <laughs> yeah. good. I, dead, I had to ask. Tired, yeah. It was catchy. Yeah, yeah. I'm renaming a book I wrote called Of Ma- Males and Men, playing off uh-huh. Steinbeck's book of Mice and Men. So I I'm, I'm try- oh, yeah, I, I love the f- play on words. So the next next phrase, towel boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's weird, man, because I, I, you know, I speak a lot at conferences and write books and stuff about being a dad. But the truth is, bro, I'm like, I'm, I'm 32 years old. Like, there's no, there's no way I'm trying to convince anyone I've got this stuff figured out, right? Yeah, for sure. So the, the towel is the I, I alluded to in the book that um, I used to work at a gym and I try to convince all my friends that I was, uh, you know, a, a hot shot working at this gym. And the reality was like uh, my job was a towel boy. I was picking up the sweaty towels around the gym and washing them <laughs> and giving them back to the uh, people who came in. So it, it, it sounds glamorous, but truly, I, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm a towel boy when it comes to parenting. Like, I, I don't really know what I'm doing. It's <laughs> no, I hear. I don't think we any of us do. So how about this one here? Colorblind. Colorblind. I'm colorblind. Uh, I start out the book by talking about how, um, you know, I, I don't see the world as it's meant to be seen. Uh, mm. I, I have a skewed perspective on the world because of my colorblindness. And I talk about how all of us, because of sin, like original sin back in the garden, yeah. uh, we all aren't seeing the world as it's meant to be. And so when Jesus shows up, he's, he's showing us like, here's how things were meant to be. This is what it actually looks like to forgive and to love and to sacrifice. And we think it's crazy. We're like, oh my gosh, that's insane. But Jesus was like, no, this, this is just the way it was always meant to be. And so for like me, for my, for my personal life, for me and my marriage and with my kids, I'm just trying to point all of us back to the way things were supposed to be yeah. and not get caught up into, I mean, frankly, we're in a world that's colorblind. None of us are seeing the world as it was meant to be seen. And that's why it's good news to like point people back like, no, this is actually the way God designed it originally. Yeah, for now we see dimly as in a mirror, right? right? But then yeah. we'll see clear. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Uh, this next phrase, I, I got. <laughs> I just have to laugh. I was uh, driving to work today, and here comes this gray squirrel running across the wire, and I'm going, are you going to make it? Or are you going to fall, you know, squish? <laughs> yeah. So explain this phrase, squirrel food. 
Yeah, man. Uh, so squirrel food, I wrote a chapter about squirrel food in the book. I'm, I'm like, I've got an inner Ace Ventura in me. I love like, uh, I, I love just like entertaining the animal. My backyard, we don't allow, pe- or we don't have pets allowed in our home. Uh, when we were renting a home, our landlord wouldn't have any pets. I've got a bunch of kids who want pets, but we couldn't have any. So, uh, I, my goal was to like fill up my entire backyard with as many animals as I could. So I had like squirrel feeders and bird feeders and like, I just had like all the things. So all the animals could come and, uh, I had put the squirrel feeder, did a bunch of research on the squirrel feeder, got the best squirrel feeder. We live here in the Northwest, like got all these organic GMO, non GMO, <laughs> you know, the healthiest nuts oh, I could yeah. find. Yeah. Right. Filled it up, uh, in the squirrel feeder. And then the squirrel rolls up on our backyard, comes on the fence and, and I'm like, this is it. This is the moment I've been waiting for. Finally, the squirrel is going to enjoy this feast that I put before it. And the squirrel literally, it stands on top of the bird feeder or squirrel feeder and then jumps down off of it on into my backyard and then starts to rummage through all the leftover seeds and shells that were left <laughs> from the bird feeder, uh, which is, I mean, I just, I was so angry. I'm like, you're so dumb. What are you doing? Like, I've, you've got a feast over there and you're just rummaging it with the scraps. Uh, and what I talk about in the book, man, is that God has like provided such an amazing feast for us, his goodness to be like satisfied in him. Uh, and how many of us are like the dumb squirrel jumping off of that into the ground and rummaging through uh, scraps? I'll just make it like really practical for any dude that's listening to that. And it's like, what does that mean? Like practically, practically, it means like Jesus said, if you're thirsty, if your soul is thirsty, come find rest in me. Remember the woman at the well, he said, you yeah. can come find rest in me. I will satisfy your soul. And most of us are looking for satisfaction in Jesus in all kinds of dumb things, whether it's porn, addiction, totally. trying to climb the social work ladder, work harder, get more toys, a new boat, fishing, whatever. All those things, by the way, like, I'm mean, well, not all of them. A lot of those things I really enjoy, right? Yeah. But all of those things will leave our souls deeply unsatisfied. And oh, so, sure. uh, man, come back to the, the the feast that Jesus has prepared for us and get out of the scraps. Well, and you, in your book, you uh, quote uh, Bill and Pam Farrell, uh, the men are like waffles, women are like yeah. spaghetti, which I have that book, yeah. and they've come on our podcast. And and we tend to compartmentalize our faith, and I really appreciated yeah. that story. And and you know if you if you want to say men are like waffles, that's great. But but our faith is like the syrup; it's got to permeate and saturate everything in order yeah. for us to, to live the life where God has us being the best version. And this is yeah. where guys, I think we struggle a little bit. We have our little Jesus compartment, but yeah. that's why we fall into sin in the secret life. So I re- and we're we're going to get into that further down the podcast. But I really do appreciate that, man. The last phrase of a rapid fire round is Aspen, Colorado. Yeah. So I think most guys uh, aren't living intentional because they don't know where they're supposed to go. Uh, they have no game plan for their life. And so I, I, I always say it's kind of like Aspen, Colorado comes from the, the movie Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Right. Where they were, uh, they were trying to get to one spot. Harry and Lloyd were trying to get to one spot and they found themselves in Lincoln, Nebraska instead of Aspen, Colorado. <laughs> a lot of dudes are in Lincoln, Nebraska right now. Like they're just, they, there is somewhere where they yeah. have no idea where they want to be. It's not where they're trying to get to be trying to get to, but they just don't know where they're going. And what happens there too, is, uh, when you don't know where you're going, you just pull off at every exit ramp that looks appealing. Uh, cause you're, which, which means like when your boss says, Hey, can you work some extra overtime or should we put our kids in a few more sports or should we go do this? Like you sure. Like we just kind of say yes flippantly to anything because we don't really know that Aspen is the main goal here. Yeah, we don't know how to say no. And if you're from Lincoln, Nebraska, <clears throat> first of all, I'm sorry there's no mountains there, but just hey, just because hey, if you reach out to us, we will send you some swag if you're from Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> we want you to feel the love here. So hey, there are three sections of your book, Jared. 
And the yeah. sections are the kingdom of God around you, the kingdom of God through you, and the kingdom of God in you. Can you explain why you went with these three sections? Yeah, so um, this is kind of based on the – we do conferences around the country for guys, and this is the big thing that we talk about too. A lot of guys are, um, are good at like loving when – when we think about the verse, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? A lot of guys are good at the strength, meaning like you can get disciplined if you just give me a list of rules to do. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll, some of us are, by the way, are good at that. Not all of us. Um, uh, I'm not one of them, by the way. <laughs> I do a 360-day reading plan of the Bible, and I get through day two, and I'm behind, right? Like, I, I, I'm not that disciplined. Oh, you sound like Dale. Um, <laughs> but but <laughs> some guys... Uh, Ouch. Ouchie. I'm on board. <laughs> throwing in some jabs. Uh, yeah, but, you know, we love that we can do the strength thing, and we can do the mind thing. Like, give me good theology, give me good information, but we're not really good at, like, the heart and, and the yeah. soul and really letting falling in love with Jesus. And so really, like... I didn't write, want to write a book that was just filled with a bunch of rules. Like, hey, here's 10 more things you should be doing to be a good dad. Like, mm-hmm. who wants that? Like, we're, we're all tired already. None of us want that. And so I'm all, I've always been a big fan. I wrote another book called Stop Behaving. And the, the, the heartbeat behind that book was like, Jesus wants your heart, man. Like, if our hearts aren't changed, behavior modification is exhausting. We can do it for a little bit, but eventually we'll fail. And, uh, it, and that's not what changes our lives, our wife's lives, our kids' lives, the behavior modification. Like, we need deep heart change. And so that's kind of why I broke it up into those three sections. No, I pre- So you said conferences, just for our listeners, if they, yeah. do you go to conferences that others are putting on, or do you have a dad tired conference that you yourself put on? Yeah, both. So I go around and speak at other conferences quite a bit, okay. but also we do dad tired conferences where we spend a whole day and we, we break it up into four sections, the gospel in your heart, the gospel in your marriage, the gospel in your kids and the gospel in your work. And we spend like, we're, we're there from like nine to three o'clock and we just spend the whole day talking about those things. Oh, that's awesome. So I could bring you to my church and have you do that for a one day seminar. It's, yeah, I would love to do it. Oh, man. sweet. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm yeah. always looking to bring my buddies in and help me out. So that's great. Yeah. Hey, yeah. on page 17 in your book, and we mentioned this earlier about how life is a mess and, and, and we're all tired. On page 17, you said, instead of running away from the mess or shouting from afar, we see the God of the universe walking with his creation on their worst day. Talking about the Genesis story. We learn from the very first pages of scripture that God isn't afraid of to be near, broken, and messy people. And then you know Mike Iaconelli wrote the book, Messy Spirituality, right? Which I loved. So do you find, Jared, that broken and messy people are that way because of something they did or because of something somebody did to them? What have you found with these guys? Well, I mean, both. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're sinful people being affected by other sinful people. So, I mean, it's both. Like, uh, we're we're just in, we're in a pool, we're in an ocean of sin. Yeah, Uh, for sure. And, and so everything, it's, it's bombarded on from all directions. I always say that I think the reason most guys aren't stepping up to really be the spiritual leaders of their home um, are because either one, they just don't know how, like nobody taught them. Mm-hmm. And that's mo- a lot of us have that. Like most of us didn't have dads around, even if your dad was awesome, which is rare. Um, but if he happened to be an amazing dad, even then he, he may be and, and likely didn't teach you like, here's what it looks like to be the spiritual leader of your home. Uh, very, very few guys had that. So it's either one ignorance or number two, shame. Uh, which I think uh, most guys fall into this category. It's like, how in the world could I lead my family toward a God that I don't even personally feel close to? Uh, and if I try to lead my family to Jesus, it might expose all my own sin that I'm not ready to deal with. And so a lot of guys just like hang back far from 
far, far from leading because of that. And that's why I say in the book, man, like if, if you're f- like not leading, if you're not stepping into being the spiritual leader of your home, because you feel like, I don't know, man, God just he, subconsciously you've convinced yourself. God can't really be proud of me. Like I, I've, I don't have my stuff together yet. You're just not believing the God of the Bible yeah. because of the God of the Bible uh, from the very first pages, he could, the Bible should be one page long. He should have just been like, I'm out like this. is I'm, I made the world. I made it perfect. You turn your back on me. I didn't turn my back on you. I'm going to go start a whole new world. We're going to end with the flood of Noah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's over. Exactly. That That's how it should have been. But the, I mean, the whole reputation of Christ, uh, of God throughout the, the scriptures is that he, he shows up. He's near broken and messy people. So it's interesting. Uh, I hear the word shame a lot out there. And what I've seen with men is that they? It's not the shame that prohibits them from leading. It's they have no idea what a spiritual leader is because, like you, they were raised by women. And so, I really appreciated your book because it it walks guys through spiritual leadership. Can you help these guys? And, and part of the problem is a guy like you or a guy like me says, "Oh, here's what I do. I pray for my wife every day. I read the Bible every day. I go to church. I tithe. I give. I'm a martyr." And guys get overwhelmed because they're like, "I don't even do. I don't even pray for the meals." So help help a guy who's da- dad tired. What would you say to that guy? And he goes, "Hey, give me just give me a nugget that won't overwhelm me." What is a spiritual leader? How do I step into that role? Yeah. So I'm going to give you for the guys that's saying that. I'm going to give you two answers. The first one is um, we all as Christians would agree that we it's by grace we've been saved through faith, right? Like that, yeah. that's pretty kind of a non negotiable in our in our culture, right? We believe that, but most most of us believe that. But also what we've convinced ourselves is that we've been saved by grace, but now we are sustained in Christ by works. Yeah. Uh, that's the lie that we've convinced ourselves. So like God say, I had nothing to do with my salvation. God just saved me. He was gracious to me. But now that I am in, uh, I better like figure my stuff out. I better get God to like me and, and kind of get all my stuff together. Yeah. And and what I would say to that dude is like, dude, just remember as Paul said, you, you can't even boast in your faith because your faith is a gift. And so if it's just like, like you want your heart to be changed, don't come up with 10 things that you need to do to like kind of boast in that. What I would do day one right now is say, God, man, my heart is far from you and I don't want it to be far from you. Will you draw my heart back to you the same way that you did back in the day when you were drawing my heart back to you? And, uh, and I just think God's gracious to answer those kinds of prayers. Um, my heart came back to Christ really because of the prayers of my wife saying, God, would you recapture Jared's heart? So mm-hmm. I know that's like a spiritual pastor answer, but it's just, it's truth, man. Like you need Jesus to change your heart. So the first thing would be to one pray. The other thing is we we've got tens of thousands of people that follow in the dad tired community. Lots of those are women. And so I asked the women, I'm like, Hey wives, uh, what does it look like for you, uh, for your uh, husbands to be the spiritual leader of your home. Like when you think of your husband being the spiritual leader, what do you think of? And sh- without fail, like the number one answer that came up was, I just wish my husband would pray for me. That's not super complicated stuff, man. Like I know most of us are, it's intimidating. We don't even know how to, it's hard for us to pray out loud, but dude, like it, it's not like you don't need to go. She didn't ask you to go get a theology degree or like know how to study the Bible in Greek or like quote it right in Hebrew. Like dude, just sit on the bed hold their hands and, and even just say, Hey, I know I haven't, I haven't been good at this, but I want to try. Can I just try to pray for you? And what can I pray for you for? And just what number one, you're probably going to have another baby. Like I always tell dudes, like, be careful. Cause she's going to love you for that. And like, it's going to turn into all kinds of other stuff, but just know your wife is going to love that man. Like something so, so simple. So, okay. So this is interesting. 
I've I've uh, taken the two answers you gave me, and I'm I'm just gonna rephrase them and how I'm hearing them. Yeah. First thing is, guys, spiritual leadership does not come out of a book or recipe or an equation. It comes out of the overflow of your heart for Jesus. If you are overflowing with a heart for Jesus. Psalm 23, right? That'll flow into the lives of those around you. When a man gets it... Everyone wins. Absolutely. Number two, am I right on that? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's great. And number two is really intriguing, Jared. The percentage of people who get married and divorced is... Well, they say 50%. It's a crapshoot, right? The percentage of people in the church who get divorced is... 50%. However... And I, this was in Newsweek magazine. And then we had a guy on our podcast recently. I can't remember who it was. And he shared this same quote. And I believe it because I've read this. If couples pray together on a regular basis, their chance for divorce is one in a thousand. Wow. So it's just simply saying, hey, we're going on a trip. Hey, honey, let's pray. Oh, you look bad, honey. Hey, it just could be simple, right? Lord Jesus, bless Shanna today. She's hurting. That's my wife. <laughs> and so I think it can be really simple. So I I really appreciate that, buddy. I you know we have to have an overflow of Jesus, which is non compartmentalized living, and we need to be willing to pray with and for our spouses on a regular basis. So and I think this is the this is what I appreciate about you, Jared, and your ministry. You see, dad tired guys as guys who are just in the stre- we call it the stress bubble of life. They're just trying to survive. But what you're doing with your ministry is that you're asking guys and you're calling guys to rise above that and to thrive. In page 24 of your book, you wrote this. Sometimes as tired dads, it can seem like our only objective is to survive the day. As a follower of Jesus, I am convinced there is more to parenting than simply surviving. Powerful. If we get lost in the chaos of dirty diapers, grumpy bosses, and overflowing dishwashers, we'll lose sight of the bigger story of God's redeeming work around us. Can you explain that and unpack it? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, we may talk about this later too, and this kind of just starts to lay the framework to, to the fact and the argument that I make that I think a lot of men are just bored and we're just, and we're bored because we're just trying to survive. And, um, it's something I talk about a lot. I'm passionate about, but, um, I, when, when we get in that sense that like, we just put our head down and it's just like, get through the day, uh, you know, power through just if I can make it to the night where I can have crack open a beer or watch a game or whatever, but like, bro, that no, your kids don't want that. Your wife doesn't want that. But I believe at the deepest level, you don't want that. Agreed. Like your heart doesn't want that, man. Like you want more than that. And, and so what I'm trying to say there in the book is like, pop your head up and realize like God is redeeming the world from the very beginning of time until when he comes back and makes all things new again. And he's invited you into that. And, uh, and so if we lose sight of that, like if we lose sight of the fact that we're part of a way, way bigger story, then we just get into survival mode and we're disciplining our kids and we're angry and we're short and we start stressing about out about things like money and how much sex we're having with our wife and, you know, arguing about bitter, dumb things. Really? Like we just, I, I always say like we're camping. Like sometimes we, we convince her. I used to go on camping trips with my mom used to take me on camping trips and we would just pack up the car. Like we were moving countries, you know, just like so much stuff. I'm like, mom, you know, we're going to be gone for two nights, right? Like the <laughs> neighbors think we're moving here. And uh, sometimes I just think like God looks down at us and is like, bro, you're, you're camping. Like you're, you're camping. This is not your home. You're an alien. You're a foreigner. You're a sojourner. Like you are passing through. Why are you stressing out about these things? And I think we get that way when we just put our head down and we just try to like survive. Well, and people, 
it's very typical for a man who's in survival mode to become bored because he's just trying to get to the next day and and they live in a rut and they don't and they're what's troubling to me Jared is that guys get in the bubble and they look forward to that day when they can retire and relax live your time now i appreciated your story of going to egypt and your wife going to other countries my wife is a flight attendant with alaska airlines tomorrow morning we're going to get up at early my son lives in portland there by uh, on burnside and uh, mlk stay at his yeah. house we're going to fly to Puerto Vallarta, 24-hour layover on Alaska Airlines and fly awesome. home. Cool. And so live awesome. your life now. Forget the retirement. Tony Campolo once said that maybe men should pray, uh, instead of praying, if I die before I wake, that they should pray, if I wake before I die. And for yeah. guys to be their best version, this is, again, I love dad tired because you're saying, man, you can be your best version now. You can be your best version now. So let's talk about marriage. Yeah. Let's talk about because one of the pro, one of the issues in the stress bubble not only is children, but it is marriage. And again, your vulnerability is refreshing. And if I could pronounce vulnerability, it would be refreshing. On page twenty nine, you said marriage wasn't what I thought it would be, what it was going to be. In my mind, marriage was like hanging out with your best friend, laughing all the time, having all kinds of adventure together. And I would add, and having sex whenever I wanted. Okay. I added that, <laughs> but it ended up being hard. It didn't take me long to realize that God was using marriage not for my pleasure, but for my holiness. And and Gary Thomas up in Washington says marriage is not about making you happy. It's about making you holy. Can you talk to the guys about that? This is a huge component of having a successful marriage. And I think that we as men miss it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't take long to realize. Like any guy that's been married longer than probably six days. Maybe the research shows like six months or longer, but certainly two years. Um, but you know, you don't have to be married long to realize like, Oh, this isn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, and if, and if you got in it for fun, like I just need this woman to bring me joy. And at first when you meet her and stuff, you're like, she does bring me joy. This is great. This is wonderful. Um, but you get in pretty quickly into marriage. You're like, Oh, this isn't fun anymore. Um, if, and if fun is your goal, then like, dude, you're going to, you're going to bail pretty quick. Yep. Um, that, that's when you start to ask yourself, like, did I marry the wrong one? Did I miscalculate my feelings? Should I have waited a little bit longer? Did I, is there other fish in the sea that I should have explored? Like you start asking yourself all kinds of weird questions. And we do that when we start to think this should be for my happiness. Um, and I realized pretty, I, I was year one into marriage when I realized like, this isn't fun anymore. <laughs> uh, and it, it was actually when I confessed to my wife that I had looked at pornography. Yeah. Uh, and I, I remember seeing the look on her face and, and how devastated that was to her. And I thought, uh, man, as a single dude, like I would sin and I would like, you know, I, my sin would affect me and there'd be kind of the consequences of sin in my own life. But it was the first time where I looked at somebody else and I realized that my sin carried twice the weight. Yeah. Like I, I was hurting her now. Like oh, it yeah. wasn't just me. It was hurting her. And then we have kids and now it's like carrying two times, three times, four times the weight. And I'm like, man, this isn't fun. Like <laughs> what, what dude wants to do this? Like it's way more fun to just be a single guy. And what I realized like super quickly, like, man, I, I don't think God intended marriage just for my joy. Like I, I think he intended it uh, for my holiness, as you just said earlier, like God is using my wife to expose things in me that I didn't realize were in there. I never knew 
how like sinful and wicked I was until I got married and had kids. Oh, bro. Oh, I, I, I convinced like the world uh, and myself that I was like, I'm a pretty all right, man. Like, I, I, I think I got it all right together. And then you live under the same roof with somebody. And it's like, oh, man, this is exposing. I've got like anger issues and patience issues and like all kinds of other issues. And, and God is using this woman to expose that at me. And dudes will do two things. You will either take that and see like, thank you, God. Yeah, that she is my helper, as Genesis three says, she is my helper to make me more like you. Or you will say, like, nope, I married the wrong one. I want out. This isn't funny more, and you'll bail. And uh, and that's just the choice you have to make as a godly man to say, like, what what is the purpose of my wife? Is she just for my joy, or is she for God's tool to help me make to help make me more like Him? Well, bro, listen, I became a man. I was twenty eight years old. I was a head football coach, and I was a youth pastor. And I had a horrible marriage, and I hated my wife. <clears throat> I prayed that God would take her out so that I could keep doing ministry. I prayed that prayer. I'm wow. not. I'm just being really honest. And we yeah. joke about it now because I tell people I went to bed with an angel. I married an angel, woke up with Satan. She says, I married my dream guy, and I woke up in a nightmare. And uh, yeah. our marriage now, she's my best friend. Uh, but, I, but I'll tell you what, it's, our marriage is off the charts awesome. But it, it, it happened at 28 years old. When I realized the only way I could really have a thriving marriage and not because I was committed to being married forever, I just figured it'd be a horrible life. But once I decided to out love and out serve her, it changed my marriage. Yeah. So here's something that a recent event that's happened. So God has put on my heart this year for 2020. My vision in life is 2020 vision in 2020. And so I've realized that I've got a problem with patience. I, I need to grow in the fruit of the spirit of patience. So Dale. Dale will tell you that's true. My wife will tell you that's true. So I've committed to confessing my impatience and growing in that. Okay, so now the problem is I went to my wife. I said, honey, I know our marriage is an 8 out of 10, but I want to be a 10, and I realize that I'm impatient and I get angry with you. So can you help me with patience? I don't think I should have told her that. Because <laughs> yeah. last night, honey, honey, you know, so they are so good because they are so passionate about us moving into our best version. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I want to get back to your book, but before we do, brother, we're going to take a short, uh, brief uh, break here and hear from our sponsor. The Men in the Arena is a nonprofit organization with the mission to inspire men towards becoming their best version and changing their world. Every man in the arena matters. Our Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum for men is a great way to dialogue about manhood with men from around the world. There we have lively discussions on every topic of manhood imaginable. Join that group today. Because of the passion to see men get out of the bleachers and into the arena, Jim wants to offer some powerful resources to all men who visit our website at meninthearena.org. Give us your email and we'll send you a free PDF version of the field guide. It's Jim's 365-day bathroom book for men. It's the study of manly words in the Bible, illustrated with great stories. This is also a great resource for all our arena men. We'll also add you to our weekly equipping blast, including Jim's personal blog, prayer requests, and weekly boots-on-the-ground mission. Men, the stakes are high. The pressure is on. Do you hear the roars of those you love and those anonymous voices in the bleachers pleading for you to enter the fight? Because when you get it, everyone wins. Now, back to our episode. So, Jared, on page 36 of your book, you continue, and I'm just quoting your book, because I want our guys to pick up your book and read it. It's a great book. I appreciate it. And that, uh, so you said your marriage is way bigger than your joy. It's bigger than you. If you can learn to love your wife with the kind of love Jesus has for you, you will do what no Bible study, Sunday school class, or nightly devotional can do. You will have given your children 
This is beautiful. You will have given your children a real-life picture of what God's love is like towards them. That's why loving your wife is the greatest gift you can give your kids. Page 44, and here's the hard reality. If they're if we are amazing, this is so powerful. This is like a punch in the cajones. If, if we are amazing fathers but don't love our wives well, we fail to give our kids everything they need. We just had a bumper sticker made called Wife is Greater Than Kids, and guys aren't putting it on their cars. But we tell people wife is greater than kids, and I, I think that's what you're saying. Can you unpack this some more? Yeah, man. Well... <clears throat> So the the point of that, like the 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 point I'm trying to make there, is that our marriage, like my wife and I's marriage, is a glimpse, hopefully, for uh, of the gospel for my kids. And the way that that looks practically is, there have been many seasons where my wife could have and should have bailed on me. Yeah. Like if if all it was was for happiness. I mean, just that first example I just gave about first year marriage. Like, hey, I'm I'm looking at pornography. She should have just been like, man, I married the wrong guy. Like there's a lot of other guys out there who'd be better than him. I'm just going to leave. And that's one of like hundreds of examples I could give where my wife should have left, right? There's plenty of times where she should have left. But when she doesn't leave, in fact, there was even a season where we were in a really, really, really hard spot in our marriage. And uh, she would say what you were just talking about in your marriage. Like I, I didn't like the guy at all. Yeah. Like, I, I, I couldn't even look at you and I, I just didn't like you. And um, she even had people around her saying like you, you should leave. Life is short. Like, why are you sticking around with that? It's not making you happy. Right. And what my wife said is, I'm not leaving Jared because God hasn't left me. There were so many times where I have been running far from God and God didn't leave me. And this is the beautiful picture that we give everyone around us. When my wife looks at me and says, I see all of you, all of who you are, your brokenness, your, your, your sin, your junk, everything, and I'm staying. She gives me a glimpse of Jesus yes. who knows me fully and loves me fully. Where else do I get that? Like where, where in the world can I get that? And so by her doing that for me, she gives me a glimpse of the gospel. Like, oh, this reminds me of how amazing God is, which by the way, is the whole purpose of marriage. God created marriage for this reason, yeah. to be little images of his love for us. And, and we do the same excuse me, we do the same thing with our kids. Uh, when our kids see like, Hey, why don't you leave daddy? Why don't you daddy? Why don't you leave mommy? Why don't leave? Uh, because I, God doesn't leave us when I'm broken and and they get a glimpse of God's powerful love for them when they see us. And hopefully that's my kids get that. I get that. Our community gets that. It's the greatest glimpse of the gospel that they'll ever see, which by the way is why God hates divorce. And it's not because he just made a rule and you broke the rule and now he's pissed because he's pissed that you're a rule breaker. That's not God's heart. God's heart is he wants everyone to have a clear picture of his love. And so when somebody says, Hey, I see all of you and I'm leaving because it's too messy for me. It's just not a, it's not an accurate reflection of his love for us. Now, listen, there's no way for any dude to step outside of God's bounds of grace. There are no bounds. Yeah. So if you're a man listening to this and you're divorced, you can't step outside the bounds of grace. So hear me clearly on that. But just know this is God's heartbeat behind it. The reason that he's so passionate about marriage and not getting divorced is because he wants people to have an accurate view of his love for us. No, that's really powerful, man. You know, God doesn't leave us when we're broken. We see this with the Israelites constantly with God, right? And, you know, uh, we had a guy on our podcast, Donald Minter, and he and his wife write about marriage, and he said something that I'd never heard before. It really changed me. He said, we need to love our wives through their brokenness. 
That's what God does for us, right? Jesus loves me through my brokenness, and we need to love our... All of our wives come with brokenness. You said you're from a family with no spiritual leader, males. You, your mom raised you. You have no dad. That's brokenness. You, you come broken. I come broken. My uh, 13th birthday, my parents sat me down and gave me the, it's not your fault that we're getting divorced talk, you know? So we all come with the brokenness. So the, the beauty and the privilege of us as men who are trying to, Ephesians 5, love our wives as Christ loved the church, is to find that brokenness. It's not hard to find. <laughs> And then love her through it, right? That's what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Tim Keller. I like the way Tim Keller says it, and he has a book called The Meaning of Marriage. But he says that uh, you know the beautiful part of marriage is when you look at your spouse and you say, "I see who God is making you to be, and I'm committed to partnering him with with him in that, and to help you." Instead of saying, uh, and I'm paraphrasing that, I'm butchering the paraphrase, by the way. But instead of saying, like, I, you know, I see your brokenness, and I'm bailing. I see your brokenness, and, and in the midst of that, it's what you're saying. I want to work with you through that because I'm going to partner with God. He's clearly trying to make you into something, and, and I want to be used with him on that journey. Well, the opposite of bailing is pursuing. And in right. page 41 of your book, you talk about, you say that God gave our wives to us, and you talk about men pursuing instead of coasting, but the default of us as men as conquerors is we get the ring on the finger and we start to coast. And so, yeah. so that coasting, I guess, would almost be like turning and running, right? You don't ever coast yeah. downstream or upstream. You coast downstream. And so right. you talked about, you said in your book, pursuing her until your hair turns gray. And then you said getting up every morning and chasing after her heart. Why is pursuit so difficult for men? And what would you say practically that we can do to pursue our wives on a daily basis? Yeah. So, um, when we think about like how to love our wives the way Christ loves our church, what going back to what you just said, oftentimes what we do is we put the ring on it and then we kind of bail and bailing. Like you just said is emotional can be emotional as much as, you know, I may not get divorced, but I'm bailing emotionally. I'm not mm -hmm. pursuing my wife the way that I used to. And, uh, and so that's obviously not loving your wife the way that Christ loves the church. And how do we know that? Well, we know that God keeps pursuing you. God didn't just save you once. He say, "Hey, will you will you pray this prayer? Repeat after yeah. your pastor or some leader, and then once you do, like see in heaven one day." No, God didn't do that to any of us. God saved you. He's saving you, and He will save you. Like God is continuing to pursue your heart all the time. The very fact that any man, if you're listening to this podcast right now, if you hear these words coming out of my mouth right now, God is pursuing your heart. It's evidence that God is continuing yep. to chase after your heart. Agreed. And so. And he did, and he could leave. Like he's God. He's got a lot of other things he could be doing right now. But he's yet in the midst of all of that, he's chasing you down. Yep. And so, okay, if I want to love my wife the way that God is loving you right in this moment, well, I need to pursue her and chase her down the same way that God's chasing me down every day. And so, pr practically, this is I, I learned a lot of this from. Uh, I actually just had. Um, uh, Gary Chapman, Smalley, Chapman, holy cow, <laughs> Thomas, totally, totally. <laughs> Gary Chapman. Yeah. I just had him on the podcast this week. I got to have breakfast with him recently. And so I was just asking him like, all right, man, you've been married a long time. You've written a lot about marriage. Like what do you do? And he just says, actually a lot of what you say, he says, I want our marriage to be a one out of 10. He asks his wife once a week, right? This week, where's our marriage? One out of 10. And if it's anything less than 10, he just says, what can I do to help get it to a 10? That's like, Outserving her the way that yeah. what, I love what you just said. It's like, how can I lay my life down for my wife? Um, one thing that we do, we wake up and I just, I ask my wife like, Hey, is there something that I can do to help make your life a little bit easier today? 
man, that's like an easy pursuit. Um, praying with her daily is an easy pursuit that you can do. I know that doesn't feel easy to every guy, but it, it really like it's not that hard. Start praying with your wife. The other thing is, and this is going to sound like really, really funny. I always give this example to guys when I'm speaking at the conference. Research has shown that when you hug a person for 30 seconds or longer, there's actually endorphins being released <laughs> from your from your brain uh, that are causing co- uh, intimacy, it, it, like feelings of connection. And so me and my wife, we just hold each other. Every day, we make sure that we have at least a 30-second or longer hug uh, and just feel a sense of connectedness. I had one guy ask me after the conference, he said, like, do you time it? I'm like, no, bro. Come don't on, be bro. weird about it. Like, Jeez. I'm just like, you know, three, <laughs> He must two, be a fundamentalist one. Christian. Yeah, he's, he's an engineer or something, <laughs> yeah, man. Serious. I don't know what he is. Well, like, you know what's cool, you know? man? Uh, it's, so you talked about Gary Smalley. So he's been around forever. In fact, uh, I need to get him on my show, but but he, in his writings, he talked about men are the thermometer and women are the thermostat. So a woman measures the temperature and a man regulates it. So he always recommends asking the woman from one to 10, what's the marriage? Because the woman will always give a lower number than the man. And so it's yeah. the man's job to raise it up, right? So that, that's a beautiful thing. To, I ask my wife constantly, honey, one to 10, where are we? So yeah. when people ask me, what's your marriage? I go, it's an eight. How do you know? Shanna said so. <laughs> Well, hey, let's let's talk about our kids for a little bit because part of being in the bubble, part of being dad tired is uh, is hugely because of our kids, right? And and one of the things I've seen Jared in the church as a youth pastor for twenty five years, I know you've seen this. You talk about you you see these parents that are bulldozer dads and helicopter moms, and 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 you see these parents who are asking their kids to become these superstars out there. But then taking church and make it just a small compartment or a small piece of the pie. And you said on page 61 that your kids ultimately don't need to have the best report card in their class. They don't need to excel at a sport or master an instrument, which I, I agree wholeheartedly. In fact, you just said ultimately your kids just need Jesus. Can you unpack that to these pre- parents whose kid's going to be a Division One athlete and they're doing year long sports and just super and doing their kids' projects at school because they have to get an A? Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, yeah. It, it, Francis Chan said one time that if we actually believe in eternity, that, that after this, we will spend eternity somewhere, mm. um, that this life on earth is the shortest amount of time we'll spend anywhere. Um, and yet it's funny how many things we chase, um, and that the, we think are important for the shortest amount of time that we'll spend anywhere. My wife is an oncology nurse, so oh. she walks people into death daily. Um, and, and what I can tell you, um, even just from a secular perspective is nobody is laying on their deathbed, wishing their kids got more A's or Mm -hmm. that they had practiced their instrument more or that they scored a few more goals. None of them are. Mm -hmm. Um, and so none of us as men who are trying to love Jesus well, uh, are going to be laying on our deathbed and, and wishing any of those things would have happened. Um, what I ultimately want is for me when I'm on my deathbed, if God gives me the by his grace, old age, and I'm, and I'm actually an old man, um, that then, you know, I, when I'm laying there, I just don't want to, to say, you know, I, my kids did all the things that the world thought was important. What I want them to say, Hey, like my dad was like, he didn't have it all figured out, man. He, he stumbled his way through it, but the dude loved Jesus. That man loved the Lord. And by his grace, I hope that they love the Lord and that their kids love the Lord. And then I have passed on generations beyond generations and generations of kids uh, and who turn into men and women who really love Jesus. You know, it's funny, bro. So we have a forum uh, on Facebook just for men, and I'm writing a book 
that's going to be called, I think, <laughs> Making of a Man. And it's just it's quotes. It's just quotes. It's 365 quotes. Anyway, I asked the guys in our forum, hey, give me some quotes, man quotes. And what was so cool, man, is how many men were quoting their dads and their grandpas. Mm. I mean, oh, yeah. I'm getting choked up. Oh, how cool. Dang it. Hallmark moment. Uh, how cool to have your kids. You know, John Maxwell said, success in life is for those who know me the most, to know me the best, respect me the most. And and that's what I, that's what you're talking about, right? You know, being a man that your kids would quote after you die, being a man that your kids would go, well, th- I want to do it how dad did it. Being a man who your kids would call and say, hey, dad, can you give me some advice? Because we lack that man in this world. And your yeah. mission is to to get that guy in the bubble who's dad tired to thrive. But I think one of the problems, Jared, and you address it at the end of your book, and I love how you saved this to the end of the book, because in my opinion, this is the crescendo. I think if a guy, well, first of all, Jesus is always the crescendo, but if a guy can get Jesus right, I think this next piece is really, really important for a man, because when you're in the stress bubble, when you're dad tired, Something's got to happen to bring life and to revive you, right? And to refresh you. You said on page 105 that I don't think men have outgrown their sense of adventure. Instead, I think they've become bored. You mentioned this earlier and began looking for it elsewhere. The scary part is a bored man is a dangerous man. And then on page 106, you kind of called the church out a little bit, which we do all the time. Our churches are filled with bored men. And so you talk about these, I have friends who are multimillionaires, net worth of $50 million, and they're passing bulletins out in the church. How can the church help these men who want adventure to live a faith that's adventurous? You know, uh, John Eldridge said, every man has three core purposes, an adventure to live, a battle to fight, and a beauty to rescue. So that adventure to live is a huge component. Talk to us about that. Yeah, man. I just, I believe this so deeply. I worked in the church world for a long time and I just, I I would show up on Sundays and I would just see a lot of men who are really bored. I mean, frankly, I was one of them. I, you know, I I would be in between my messages, checking my fantasy football scores, right? Like there's a lot of dudes who are just not wanting to be there. And, um, it's crazy because we tell guys that we're on this greatest adventure in the entire world. God's saving humanity and he wants you to be part of it. I said that at the beginning of this podcast. Yeah. And guys hear that and they're like, sweet. Like, how can I be part of it? I want to be part of this grand adventure of God saving the world. Sounds awesome. What do I do? And we say, all right, you'll help pass communion or you'll shake hands on Sunday morning. Or can you watch the kids? Or maybe if you're like really want extra credit, host a community group or Bible study in your house, right? Like those are the guys that really, right. And it's like, really? Like this is the adventure that we're calling guys into I just think guys are bored out of their mind. Agreed. And so I always, I always tell guys like, man, when is the last time you've been scared for the glory of God? The entire scriptures are filled with God saying, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Do not be afraid. Why is that? It's because God is always calling people into really scary things. All the time he's calling yeah. people into scary things. When's the last time you've been scared as a dude? Like, and so just start to pray like God. And I could go on and on about like giving stories about this, but just asking like, Lord, and and do this with your wife, like hold the hands of your wife and say, God, what would you call us into as a couple and as a family that requires great faith yeah. that scares us a little bit for us? It was fostering. We fostered some kids. I'm not oh, saying really? everyone should do that. And I'm not saying that's like, that's the answer, but for us, that was the thing that God laid on our heart that was scary that we stepped into. And then here's what I'm telling you, and I'll end by this. Like, 
when you're stepping into scary situations and you're being used by God in, in, in big ways, things that scare you, you're not thinking about things like porn and fantasy football and dumb stuff. Like you're being used by God and you're going to bed with some adrenaline like, man, God's using me to, to save the world and I get to be part of it. Well, one of uh, my life quotes is exactly what you said. This ministry was launched in Sisters Coffee Company. How cool. On a coffee mug, I read a quote from a guy who lived 185 AD, St. Irenaeus. He said, the glory of God is man fully alive. You see, a man fully alive is not bored. He may be scared. (laughs) He probably is scared. I mean, I I shot a nice buck this year in Indiana with a bow. And uh, I'll tell you what, when that buck stepped at me, thought it was another buck and was getting ready to charge me, I'll tell you what, I was fully engaged in that moment. And then I became an evangelist and introduced him to Jesus. But, but I mean, <laughs> but you know, that fully alive moment, these men need to be fully alive and engaged. And, you know, maybe we need to do, maybe dad tired and men in the arena need to partner up and take these guys. Uh, I don't know about you. I had 300 Indian and African pastors have friend requested me in the last month. I think I might have a virus. <laughs> But they're begging me to come over, you know. I'm going, oh, that I don't know, man. That's a little hairy, you know. But I mean, yeah. they're saying, come over and you pay for it and you come over. We're not going to pay for anything. We just beg you to come over. Maybe we right. need to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know, man. But um, one of the problems with men being bored, and, and this may sound counterintuitive, but you address it in your book. One of the reasons with men being bored is they mask it with busyness. Yeah. And I'm just so tired of men saying to me, I'm just so busy. A dad tired guy is living a full life. He's in the bubble, a stress bubble. You can live a full life and not be busy. Is that can't you? If you're intentional? Oh, oh absolutely, man. Absolutely. I, I, I think there are a lot of guys it busy doesn't mean intentional. Like you, you Exactly. Can, you can be you can be spinning your wheels and going nowhere. That's what I was talking about earlier, where you're on the freeway, right? You're Lloyd and Harry going on, but down the road, but you're just taking every exit. And so, yeah, I'm busy because my kids are in 15 different things and I'm busy because we signed up for 40 things over here and extracurricular activities. Yeah. But what are you doing? Like, yes. are, what, what is your life accomplishing? Yeah, you're doing a million different things, but what are you actually doing for the glory of God, for the kingdom of stuff that's going to last for eternity? And uh, yeah, my, I had a podcast, I was interviewed on a podcast recently and he asked me like, Jared, you're doing, you're writing books and speaking, doing all this stuff. Like, how are you even finding the time to be a husband and dad? And I told him like, I just say no to everything. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I literally, I just say no to so many things because I know what I'm saying yes to. And, and so my life isn't overly packed. I just say yes to the things that matter for eternity and I say no to everything else. Well, and this is, this is the problem with the, what I have found is that the quality men who are living for Jesus attending a local church, they're involved, they're in the stress bubble, they're engaged. The problem with those guys, Jared, and you write, you write about this in your book, you use the word intentionality. These guys are so quality, they're tired, and a lot of the reason why they're tired is because they're saying yes to things they should be saying no to. I mean, the good men are the ones being asked. The absent dad, the man up in the bleachers who's anonymous in the church, they don't get asked. It's the guys who are who are yeah. busy, they're in the bubble, they're quality guys. So these are the guys who need to say no. I'm getting ready to write a blog next week called, and I hate to use this word, but when to throw in the towel. Mm. You know, it's so, to, to, so hey, guy, when is it okay for you to walk away from something? And it's when the yeah. no needs to be replaced with the yes. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, and, yeah, and the other thing I'd add to that is for, for a guy listening, just asking yourself, like a good gauge is, is my body tired? Or is my soul tired? Uh, mm. Because our bodies are going to, for sure, like we're all going to be tired. You're going to be, if you have kids and a wife and a job, like you're, we're all tired. 
But if your soul is exhausted, something's off. Yeah, for um, sure. So that, that's the gauge. Hey, I want to end with a quote, and we've been bouncing back and forth from this, but on page 185, you, we talk about the Aspen, Colorado experience, and you say this, getting to Aspen, getting to the Aspen that God has called you to will require you to say no to a lot of things. It will mean giving up some things, even good things, so that you can say yes to the great things. It will mean sacrificing time with your friends, giving up on some time on your lifelong dreams, choosing to get paid less, laying down addictions that have tripped you up for years, pursuing the heart of your kids, even when they seem ungrateful and have no idea how much you've sacrificed. Why is that so important for men to get to Aspen instead of Lincoln? Yeah, well, uh, because somebody else will choose your Aspen for you if oh. you don't take the time to, to figure out what it so is. Good. Yeah, um, ev- Everybody wants to tell you that their Aspen is the best, and so you should invest all your time into that. Mm. And so if you don't, man, like you're going to find yourself driving all over the place, and your life's going to be exhausted, your wife is going to be exhausted, your kids will be exhausted uh, because you're just running around with no purpose. And so just don't let other people decide that for you. Take the time, be an intentional man, set some time aside to say, where am I trying to go? Where am I trying to lead my family? What would life look like for me in the next 10 years? If I was intentional about leading my family, like what, if we could dream together, what would God use us for, for his glory in the next 10 years? And that's your Aspen. And you say no to everything else. And you just pursue that because like I said, the reality is other people will choose it for you if you don't. That's so powerful. My, 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 again, my theme this year is 2020 and 2020, right? And so, guys, join with me, partner with me in this. You know, have clarity this year. Make this the year that you see life, your life, God's life for you clearly. Jared, hey, man, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Sure, appreciate you and what you're doing. And uh, I want to buy you coffee, man, so let's connect. We're only yeah, an we'll hour away. That. That's a half an hour driving, baby. Meet me halfway. I think that's a song. So uh, if I, if I want to pick up your resources and follow you, is it dadtired.com? Dadtire.com, yep. Okay, and then I actually went into your Facebook thing and, and follow, and I'm on that Facebook group now. So Dad Tired is just on Facebook. Uh, 10,500 yeah, men and yeah. women. Not in that group. That's all oh, men. Okay. So yeah. okay, so men and women is where? Uh, mainly on Instagram. Okay, because I know a lot of women listen to this podcast because they want to yeah. you know, do some scouting, oh, yeah, yeah. some recon for of their course. men. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. hey, thanks for coming on the show. Guys, listen, let's get our boots on the ground. What is the next step for you to take because of what you heard today? And I can't believe I'm saying this, but uh, I'm going to go with this one today. I I can't believe I'm saying this word on the podcast. Mm. But guys, here's your action step. I want you to quit something. I said it. There it is. It's out there. That's right. I want you to quit. I want you to look at something you said yes to that you should have said no to, and I want you to throw in the towel there, walk away, so that you can be intentional about your life, your marriage, your kids, We'll post the boots on the ground action item in our weekly equipping blast for men. And you can subscribe to that when you grab the free electronic version of my bathroom book for men. We'll add you to that equipping blast. And guys, remember, we are a nonprofit crowdfunding organization and we exist because of great givers like you. And because of that, we're able to offer our resources freely to men in underdeveloped nations, active military, and missionaries. So you can find out more about that at meninarena.org. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor, hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Get dad tired. Grind it out. And be a man. Men in the Arena 
If you hunger to be your best version, join us along with thousands of men from around the world. Check out our Men in the Arena forums. You can join on Facebook or on our website at meninthearena.org. While you're on our website, remember to pick up your free electronic version of Jim's bathroom book for men, The Field Guide. It's a daily study of manly words with epic stories in the Bible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.